Welcome to another Jags podcast. Thank you for joining us on this Thursday morning of our daily mailbag. We usually put a live show out on YouTube and we record it Wednesday night. We usually put it out on Thursday, but we thought with the Jags playing the preseason game tonight against the Falcons at home, we thought maybe we'd save the live show for tonight after the Jags games. That's what we're going to be doing. So be looking for that show tomorrow. Talking about that, it'll probably be Joey and myself. Make sure you follow us on YouTube so you get the alert for our live show. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at Another Jags Pod, Facebook and Instagram, Another Jags Podcast. You can follow my personal Twitter if you want, and that's at JTrent904. I usually post random things about all types of sports, but the Another Jags Podcast Twitter, I post highlights all the time of different players and, and formations and, and things like that. So these daily mailbags are just short little episodes uh, for the morning. Uh, you can listen to them on the way to work. You can listen to them at work, whatever you do. But uh, it's just real quick hitters about some things that are going on with the Jags. And, and we like to get your questions, and we like to get your comments on the show. So make sure uh, you give those to us. Let's just kick it right off with this. This is a good uh, daily mailbag question on we got on Twitter, and it's from Brent Papineau, and he's at Brent Papineau. And he says, now that we have most of preseason gone, can you circle back at the linebacker, wide receiver, and tight end groups? Are they serviceable? Who is making a difference, if any? Our daily mailbag from yesterday was all about wide receivers. We asked the fans who they thought was going to be the second leading wide receiver behind D.D. Westbrook, and surprisingly, the fans said Chris Conley. I was not expecting that, but it, I like it. I love Chris Conley, man. He he kills it. He, he is a lot of potential. He's young. You see him around the beach all the time. I'm rooting for him. I don't know if I agree that he's going to be the second leading receiver. I think he could be, and I think that's what gives me hope. And I would say the receiver cord, to answer your question, Brent, is more than serviceable, and I think there's a lot of potential there. Marquise Lee, if he ever gets off the IR, I think is a great wide receiver, especially on third down. D.D. Westbrook, obviously, is a, a premium wide receiver and I think will be our number one, like most people think. I think Keelan Cole has a bounce-back year and plays really well this year. And D.J. Chark, the rookie last year, didn't put up much, but we'll see. not a lot of people did. So I'm excited for D.J. Chark this coming up year. I think he'll be the one that is the second wide receiver. And I know he had the concussion and he had some injuries last year, but... Uh, just his play, I like how he stretches the field. I like how he plays near the sideline on the corner routes. Um, I spoke at, at length about that on yesterday's mailbag, so go back and listen to that one. As far as the linebackers go, yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's a good question. Quincy Williams is back at practice now, and it's really not fair for anyone to try to evaluate Quincy Williams. The dude put out his own highlight film where he had some nasty tackles, he was like first team all Ohio Valley Conference. He was second in the conference in tackles. Doug Marone saying his praises, saying he's like one of the fastest guys on the team, could be the fastest. But beyond that, that's all we have to go off of. 
We haven't seen a single... Like, I tried to go back and watch Murray State film, and I couldn't even find any to watch. It was literally, his highlight film he put out was all I could find. So, I am not sure what to expect out of Quincy Williams. I think we were all expecting the best out of him, but if we're being honest with ourselves, we have no idea what he is at all. He did have a draft profile by ESPN, NFL Network, and I tried to compile a list of things about him. And so this is what we kind of know, right? His strengths are that he's a tackling machine. He ran a 4.5940, which we know he's fast. Marone told us that. He has an 81-inch wingspan, which is incredible for a six-foot frame. And in reality, he's probably 5'11". Explosive leaping as pro day. Uh, he's got a second burst to track down ball carriers, aggressive acceleration, soft hands, possesses blitz and special teams talent. I mean, those were his strengths. His weaknesses were he just has one season as a true starter production. They said his instincts are slightly below average, which that's pretty hard to evaluate if you don't know the, the call and the game plan. So I don't think that's fair. Uh, he can be slow to see it unfold and respond which basically describes our entire safeties from last year. Uh, they say he's much better flowing downhill than he is laterally, which makes sense because his highlight film was literally all coming downhill. And, yeah, moving laterally is important for an outside linebacker, but I think he can learn that. Change of direction, quickness is average. That kind of goes back to the lateral movement. And then undersized as a pro linebacker, which means he'll fit in just fine in Jacksonville. So I'm excited for him, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna call him the next Daryl Smith. You know, I I gotta see what he's got. I mean, his projected grade was undrafted. His projected pro- production was to be a backup linebacker and a special teams player. I mean, he when I first watched his film, he kind of looked like a box safety. So I mean, I I don't know. I mean, it it could be could be. Something, it could be nothing, I'm, I'm not sure. We know we're getting out of Miles Jack. He's an elite player. Jake Ryan, we've yet to see him play. We see film from him last year. Pretty solid guy last year. Good at run fits, reading the play. He's like the opposite of Quincy Williams. The exact opposite player of Quincy Williams. Can read the play quick. Can run fit. Uh, you know, maybe a little too slow. I don't know, we'll see. I think we'll play a lot of two linebacker sets. I mean, I would if I was Todd Wash. Uh, there's an article that came out today that he's thinking about playing a little bit of 3-4. And we, we saw a little bit of that. We saw a little bit of that in the game against the Dolphins. They had Clayus Campbell lined up on the nose. They had Smoot lined up on the outside at the 7 technique on the weak side tackle. Then they had Ngakwe on the stand-up playing that inside linebacker role, blitzing from inside over the guard. Stunting to the outside, Josh Allen stunting in and getting pressure. So they've shown they want to run a little 3-4. It's not going to look like the traditional odd man front where your two inside backers are your stout run-stuffing linebackers and your outside linebackers are your edge rushers. I don't think it's going to look like that. I think you're going to see them bring blitzes from the inside and kind of have more of a, a spread, spaced-out linebacking core. It, it's going to look strange. But overall, it's going to be a man, I think. It's going to be a man or it's going to be cover one or cover three. I think that's what you're going to see primarily from this defense. And that's what I would do, given the athletes that you have. If you have 
Jalen Ramsey and you have AJ Boye and Ronnie Harrison, yeah, let's just let's just run a recover one. Um, that's what I would do. So yeah, is that serviceable? Yes, I think we're fine. I think we have so much talent in the front seven. We could hide our deficiency at that traditional linebacker role, which is good. So then we move into the final position he's referring to, and that's the tight end position. The tight end position has become overhyped in the modern day NFL. And I think it's become overhyped because guys have just absolutely blown up. Guys like George Kittle. But I think guys like Travis Kelsey, guys like Zach Ertz, I mean, those guys all had over 1,100 yards receiving. And that's solid. I mean, if you can get one of those guys, get them. But here's the harsh reality of the tight end position. Those three guys I just named had over 1,100 yards receiving. Four guys had over 750 yards receiving. That's a sharp drop-off. That means from the third tight end to the fourth tight end, there's a huge drop-off, almost 250 yards. Now, there was 11 tight ends with over 600 yards receiving. And I think that's kind of where we want our tight ends to be. We're looking at Jeff Swaim. We're looking at James O'Shaughnessy. And we're looking at Josh Olsen in reality. I know there's other tight ends on the team. But in reality, those are going to be the guys that are, we're going to count on this year. So there's several, a couple of different scenarios how that could play out that I think it could happen. And those names don't get anybody super excited. And I think we just need to get production somewhere in that 11 to 12 range for tight ends to be effective. Somewhere between that Trey Burton and Vance McDonald range. And I think that's possible. And I think that we have a good possibility of that happening. But before I get to that, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and I'm going to tell you why I think the Jaguars have the formula to get production from that tight end position in that six to 700 yard range. And I think if we get that, we'll be solid. And I'll make the case and I think I'll make you a believer uh, right after this break. So to hold on tight and, and we'll be right back. All right. Welcome back to another Jags podcast. This is the daily mailbag for Thursday morning. It's game day, man. We are playing the Falcons, and we will probably not see any starters whatsoever. Does Taven Bryan play? Maybe. Maybe Taven Bryan gets some snaps. Smoot probably gets some snaps. Uh, do you think we'll see any of these guys that have recently come off the injured list? Uh, DJ Chark, uh, Quincy Williams? Mm, nah, probably not. We probably won't see any of those guys. But, you know, for what it's worth, we'll get to see some Jaguar football. We'll get to see... Gardner Minshew take a bunch of snaps. We get to see Alex Magoo. Is that a position battle? Is, is Magoo and Gardner Minshew battling for that backup spot? Probably not. I know people like Magoo. I like Magoo. I like what he brings to the table. But I think Magoo's playing for another contract. And I think he's playing for the practice squad. But it should be interesting. Falcons probably won't play much either. And um, hopefully they don't tear the field up too much for the Boise State-Florida State game. If that even happens, I mean, there's a hurricane barreling toward the state of Florida. Uh, we're all praying that that thing just turns an opposite direction. Uh, you can you can you can give a little uh, prayer for that if you if you don't live here in in Florida. That's something that we're really 
hoping doesn't get hit by a huge Category 4 hurricane door, and that would be bad news for all of us on the coast, especially us that live at the beach. But anyways, we teased before the break that we could get tied in production from who we have. Now, Jeff Swain played for the Cowboys from 2015 to 2018. That's four seasons. He played in 37 games and caught 35 passes. Yes, you heard that correctly. 37 games and caught 35 passes. That's less than a catch per game. You don't have to be a math wizard to put those numbers together. He has good size. He's at 6'4", 260 pounds. And he was primarily a blocker during his Cowboys years. And to be fair, his development was seriously limited by a series of injuries. His first two seasons, he really didn't get a lot of snaps. And in his fourth season, he only played nine games. On the other hand, you have James O'Shaughnessy. He was drafted by the Kansas City Chiefs in, I think it was 2015. Uh, He got traded to New England. So Belichick traded for him. And then after two seasons, he was waived by the Patriots and claimed by the Jags. He played in Jacksonville in 2017 and 2018 and caught 46 passes for 449 yards. That's almost 100 more yards than Swaim in two less years. That's pretty impressive for O'Shaughnessy. I've been big on O'Shaughnessy, and I think the guy's improved his stock, and I think he's improved his game. We watched him in the third preseason game against the Dolphins run a skinny post. Maybe it was the second preseason game. I don't know. He ran a really nice skinny post up the seam. Made a great catch with his hands. And I think that's what we can expect out of James O'Shaughnessy this year. I think he makes the leap. So do we need an all-star, all-pro tight end to be effective? No, we don't. We really, really don't. (laughs) I called the Rams the St. Louis Rams like three times on yesterday's mailbag, and I apologize. I got called out so hard for that. You got to understand, I'm, I'm an old school guy. I'm not old, but I'm an old school guy. The L.A. Rams were considered to have one of the best offenses in the league last year. Their best tight end, Gerald Everett, had 33 catches for 320 yards. That's not that good. He was actually ranked the 26th tight end in the league last year. So one of the best offenses in the league had the 26th ranked tight end in the league. Who was their second tight end? Tyler Higby, 24 receptions for 292 yards. Most of us have heard of Gerald Everett as the we know he's the Rams tight end. Most people have not heard of Tyler Higby, but the reality of it is, is that Tyler Higby had 30 less yards than Gerald Everett. One less touchdown, nine less receptions. So they kind of had a two-headed monster there that gave them a combined like 500, 600 yards and five touchdowns. I think that's what we could get out of Swain and O'Shaughnessy. I think that's exactly what we should be looking for if we're Jags fans. Ideally, would we want a setup like Pittsburgh who had two tight ends in the top 20 with Vance McDonald at number 11 in production and yards and Jesse James at 19? Yeah, obviously we would. We want something like like the Eagles, who had two tight ends that were effective, like Zach Ertz, who's the number three tight end, and Dallas Goddard, number 23 tight end. Yeah, we would. And do I think we'll look a lot like the Eagles' offense this year? Shocker, yes, I think we will. 
A lot of two tight end sets. We already ran it a lot in the preseason. And I'm excited about that. And I'm really excited about Josh Oliver. I think Josh Oliver is a guy that can play in the, in the move tight end spot, that wide tight end. Runs a great corner route. Foles loves throwing the corner route. It's great, good, strong hands. Can run after the catch. By far the best player on his team at San Jose State. And I think that's what we can... And I think when Josh Oliver comes back and is healthy, that's, that's what we can expect out of him. Combine him with James O'Shaughnessy. Bring in Swaim on rundowns. I mean, I don't care if the defense knows that it's a running play. They knew it's a running play anyways. When you put two tight ends in the game, they assume you're running it most of the time anyways. I liked, I liked how Jeff Swaim played that F-back tight end role as, as a fullback. The offset eye. The strong formation. Yeah, I like that. Get him out of the backfield. It's like a modified pistol. Have him releasing to the flats. Have him running the arrow routes. Have him running those little in-outs. He's not going to get you a lot of yards, but he'll catch the ball. Same with O'Shaughnessy. At worst, I think our tight end combination could be like the Washington Redskins who had that Jordan Reed, Vernon Davis combination, who was pretty good. I mean, Vernon Davis was better than people think. He wasn't all world. But he was pretty good. I mean, for context, the New Orleans Saints are considered one of the best offenses, one of the best quarterbacks, playmakers all over the field. Their best tight end was Ben Watson. He had 35 catches for 400 yards. That's, I mean, O'Shaughnessy had like almost 300. So I don't subscribe to this notion that you have to have a baller tight end to be successful and to have a good offense. So if we're circling back to Brent's question, linebacker, wide receiver, and tight end, are they serviceable? To answer your question, linebacker, I'm not sure, but I don't think we're going to need them as much as you think. Wide receivers are, I think they're better than everyone thinks. And tight end, I think they're where they should be. I think they should. And I think Nick Foles obviously will elevate the game of both guys. But it's something that we can look forward to. And I think it's something that will surprise a lot of people this year. I think people are banking on our offense being bad, and I think that's kind of unfair. The offensive line gets healthy. Fournette looks good. Foles looks good. The tight ends do what they're supposed to do. D.D. Westbrook has a good year, continues to improve. D.J. Chark takes a second-year leap. You get something out of Keelan Cole, or you get something out of Chris Conley. I mean, you don't need to lean on that defense, but that defense is going to win you a lot of games. That defense almost won you a bunch of games last year. That defense should have won the Eagles game in London. That defense should have won the Bills game. That defense should have won the Colts game. Defense should have beat the Titans at home. Add in a functional, healthy offense. This team could be on pace to surprise some people. And a lot of people in the national media are starting to notice that. On our show tomorrow, Joe and me are going to talk about our predictions for the season. And we put a Twitter poll up on how many wins you guys think the Jags will finish this season with. I think it's like under six. 7 to 8, 9 to 10, or over 11. Right now, I think 9 to 10 is winning. 
but go on there and vote. We're going to have our live show tomorrow. We're going to talk about the game, if there's any impact at all, maybe who makes the team, maybe who looked good, who we can start overhyping. But man, come next Sunday, when we're at home, 1 o'clock kickoff against the Kansas City Chiefs, we're going to learn a lot about this team. And we're going to find out real quick if Josh Allen is the real deal. We're going to find out real quick if this secondary can match up against the high-powered offenses like Kansas City. So I'm excited. I'm pumped. That's really all I can focus on. I mean, it's been such a long offseason. We've broken down positions. We've talked about everything. We have done a podcast every single week in the offseason. And we're ready for some real football. So thank you guys for listening. We appreciate the support you guys have. Make sure to hit us with your feedback on Twitter. Make sure to give us your questions for the mailbag. We're going to try to get to them. I know we get a bunch, and these are quick, but we're doing them every day. So we'll get you your question eventually, and we'll hit on some stuff. Um, Again, give us your thoughts on what you think the Jags will do win-wise next year. Take a look at the schedule. It's not an easy schedule, but there's some definitely winnable games. Some winnable games early in the season, even the hard ones. So we're going to kind of dissect that. It should be a good episode. Thank you so much for listening. And, And we hope to see you guys for the rest of the season. And as always, go Jags.